Spring of Life Fellowship and the vision of changing the world invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Let's listen to our guest. Father God, we come before you this morning. We ask and specifically for my dad, for Pastor Joaquin, and this time that he's going through with the pain of a kidney stone. Lord, we know that you're the author of our lives. You're the one that's behind every single moment, every day, every season, every week, month, year that we live on this earth, God. You are behind it. As soon as we made you Lord and Savior of our lives, you took control. Father God, this time that, that my dad's going through with this kidney stone, Lord, we ask that you manifest yourself through this, that you glorify yourself through this, that even through the pain, through the suffering, God, that you, Lord, will come out on top, that you shine bright in these days, in these moments, Father God. We ask you in Jesus' name right now that this pain, that this suffering that's taking place in my dad's body, that you remove it in Jesus' name. That right now, Father God, whatever stone, however big, however small, that it would pass through and that he would no longer have to deal with this anymore. That he would be restored his sleep, that he'd be restored his calm, he'd be restored his peace and his health, Father God. That this wouldn't be something that would distract him for whatever it is that you have planned out for the rest of 2018, oh God. For the rest of the year, but that this be an opportunity that would grow his perseverance, his patience, his faithfulness, his reliance on you, oh God. I pray that during these times, even in, in times of suffering, that it's an opportunity to grow closer to you, oh God. That's an opportunity for you to continue to refine our hearts. It's an opportunity to continue to manifest yourself and prove yourself to us, Lord. We ask in Jesus' name that you manifest yourself here once again, oh God, in the life of my dad. It's in Jesus' name that we pray for these things. Amen. 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 Uh, let's go ahead and let's dismiss uh, kids back to Sunday school. You guys are going to have a great time with all your teachers. You guys have a great lineup. You have Polly and Brian, Andrea, the best, my Aunt Rosie. You guys are sure to have an amazing time. Um, and, I, you know, you guys hopefully will have a good time with me here. But um, amen. Amen. It's been awesome the past couple weeks in church, right? We've had really some all-stars, some superstars pass through here. We had the Hall of Famer, Wellington Boone. He came through, and we had David Freck, and he threw it down. He did a great job and uh, really was able to speak to us. And I ask that the Lord continue to speak tonight, uh, today rather, uh, on this Sunday morning. Um, I want to go ahead and start out. Uh, the, the youth group last night, they got a taste of this preaching. So some people, they get upset and they're like, man, we're going to hear the same preaching twice. But actually, if you hear the same preaching twice, that means it's double as good for you, right? It's going to be just twice as good for you because you get to hear it two times. So unless you stay for the second service, you know, many of us will just hear it once, but that's all right. right? God, God will still speak to us this morning. But uh, this past Friday, or rather the week before that, uh, the Friday before that, I had heard that some of the law students at Nova uh, were getting together on Fridays after class and were going to the rec center and playing some basketball. And so I had been studying a lot. I've been reading a lot. I had been uh, cooped up in a library and a desk and just nonstop reading and reading and writing and reading and writing. And so I said, that's it. Friday, I'm going to go play basketball. I'm going to go and release some endorphins okay the word as I've been told is endorphins last night I made the mistake of saying estrogen that I was releasing estrogen at the gym 
right? But then again, I was told, okay, so all these people are making fun of me saying that I was releasing estrogen. Apparently, I have estrogen as well, okay? Everyone has estrogen. So whoever was making fun of in your face, okay? I was right. I was right ultimately. But no, I went to the gym, and, and I was playing basketball, and I was waiting to get picked up by the next game. I was waiting for the, the, the team to finish, and there was a gentleman there that was waiting to play, and I said, uh, you know, do you have five people on your team? Do you need someone on your team? And he said, yeah, let's go. Let's, I'll play with you. And uh, I picked him up on my team, and I got to know a little bit about him, and we just made like, kind of like a very short-lived friendship, right? Short-lived because after the first game, we won. We had a great time. After the second game, we won again. But then by that point, they had to split up the teams, and they had to make new teams because some other guys came, some other people left, and they had to, uh, you know, make five players for the other team and five players for our team. So we started playing, and um, th this guy wasn't good. This guy wasn't good to, to put it short, you know, to leave a brief. He wasn't uh, skilled in the game of basketball, and he was getting frustrated. He was so frustrated, in fact, because not only was he not playing that well, but he felt that people were roughhousing him, pushing him around, and he got sick of it. And so off a rebound, I grab the ball, and I'm heading down to our court, and I'm, you know, just dribbling down, and all of a sudden, I hear from, you know, back here somewhere, I don't know where, but just back there, somebody says, oh, yeah, we're going to play like that? And I was like, so I turn around to see what, what's going on or why somebody's screaming like that, and all I hear is just like, and at a moment's notice, thank God it wasn't a full turn, but I just looked a little bit to see what's going on, and he just rams me as hard as he can, the side of my head, and I just started seeing, you know, all the, the constellations. And I'm seeing Jupiter and, uh, you know, Mercury and the stars and all this different stuff. And I just closed my eyes, and I was like, this cannot happen. This, can't, this did not just happen. And, and I, I had the basketball because I was the one dribbling it down, and so all the other eight people that were there just looking at me like, did this, did, like, what's about to go down? What's about to happen? And I looked at him, and, and when I regained consciousness, I just like, chill out, man, like, relax. I grabbed the ball, walked over to the three-point line. I checked up with the other players, but everyone's just like, like, jaw to the floor. They couldn't believe that this guy just tried to instigate, you know, a fight in the middle of the Nova Rec Center. He just rammed right through one of his peers in the law school, and no retaliation, no reaction, no cursing, no running up to that person, shoving him, punching, nothing. And everyone seeing my reaction just looked at me, and they're just like, and so I see everyone's face. I see everyone's just very, you know, just amazed that I'm not doing anything, and I'm like, great, these guys think I'm a pansy, because I just got hit by this guy, and I'm not pushing him or doing anything about it, and guys, to a certain degree, you understand this, right, we've been in similar situations, but girls, that, that's a super wimp, that guy, he, if somebody gets pushed and they don't push back, that, that guy, you know it's because he's scared that he doesn't want to fight the guy, the guy's bigger than him, he thinks that he can't handle him, and that's all the things that are going on in my mind, like, great, I'm trying to make friends here, I'm a first-year law student, everyone thinks I'm a pansy, and... It was the total opposite, the total opposite. Everyone looked at me, and all their direction went over to this, this other guy, and they're like, yeah, bro, calm down, man. You're such an idiot. You're crazy, dude. Did you see this guy? He's just an imbecile. And they're just saying all, and they, they, all their attention was on his foolishness and the acknowledgement of somebody else 
not lowering themselves to that foolish standard, right, of, of returning back to caveman days of pushing and biting and, and all this different stuff. And so I was like, man, there's eight other people here. Why me? Why, why did he have to take it out on me? I obviously had nothing to do with the fact that he's bad at basketball. I had nothing to do with the fact that he was feeling, you know, like he got fouled. I wasn't guarding him. I wasn't defending him. And of all the people, he decides to take it out, you know, his aggression and frustrations on me. And if I could uh, go ahead and the next day I was reading my Bible. It's a great thing to read. Uh, Proverbs 19.11. And like I said, nothing happens for nothing. Right? This isn't coincidence. This isn't just, this isn't just something that just randomly occurs. And the Bible brings me to this verse. And it says, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and it's to his glory to overlook a transgression, right? The, the NIV version says, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. And that's exactly what happened. God was able to glorify himself through my lack of reaction, through the way that I responded to that opportunity to just fluster myself and get upset. And what came out when I got hit was Jesus Christ. And, you know, this came to my surprise because I've been in other situations at LA Fitness from back in high school and then my early days in undergraduate where I've been in situations where maybe the reaction hasn't been the same. But in this moment, I was like, man, you know, I had every reason in the world. I had the ball in my hand. It could have been as simple as throwing the ball at him in his direction. And nothing came out. What, what did come out was Jesus. And God was telling me, Nick, this is how it has to be every time, in every area, in every aspect of our life, that whatever happens, Jesus is coming out. That Jesus is the one that's living in our heart, that he's made his residence there so that it's a natural thing. It's a natural thing where it wasn't like I was trying to remember the most relevant Bible verse to try and apply to the situation, right? You, you get smashed in the, in the head by, you know, from another guy running at you full speed from one side of the court to the other. You don't just sit there and say, ah, what's a Bible verse that could just really get me through this more? Uh, for God so loved the world. No, that's not it. Uh, I could do all things. No, that's not. It's not. It, it was a, a natural thing where Jesus just came out. And overlooked the offense and said, just relax, chill out, let's play ball, and check the ball. You know, and, and there, this is what's supposed to happen. This isn't supposed to be a pat on the back, feel good about yourself, put a trophy in your room, I overlooked the offense on January. You know, it, it's supposed to be a natural thing that us as Christians have occurring every single moment of every single day because Jesus lives in our hearts. Jesus, when he moves in and makes his residence in our lives, doesn't go and make himself home in the closet. He doesn't go and make himself home in the cabinet and shut himself in there where unless you're really looking for him and unless you really draw him out, you'll never find him. When Jesus makes his residence, he doesn't hide. He continues to manifest himself throughout our everyday lives. In John chapter 14, verse 8, if we could turn in our Bibles, please, to John 14, 8.
And it says, Philip said to him, to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and I'm sold. You, you show me the Father and that will be sufficient for me. I'll be content with that. That's good enough for me. Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? How can you say, show me God? Like, call him right now on your phone. Demonstrate him to me right now. And, and, and then I'll believe. Then I'll, I'll know that Jesus, God, is real. Verse 10. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me? That the words I speak are not my own words. I don't speak on my own authority. But it's the Father who dwells in me that does the works. So if the Father's in us, then the evidence, the proof of his residence in our hearts are supposed to be our works, are supposed to be the fruits of the Spirit, supposed to be our lives. Let's go on and continue on with the next verse, please. Believe me that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Philip, we've been hanging out all the time. We, we've been up and down, going from town to town, preaching, doing miracles, healing, you know. And, and you're asking me to show you the Father? I, it's not about showing the Father. You've seen the Father through the works, through the attitudes, through the language, the conduct that I've been demonstrating this whole time. The works themselves. Verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he's going to do because I go to my father. Nick, tried turning water into wine the other day. Didn't really work out, you know. And, you know, this verse says the works that he did, I'm going to do greater. So instead of one liter, you know, one bottle, I was supposed to be doing, you know, a whole winery, right, a whole vineyard. You know, I, I tried going to my backyard. I tried walking the water and I ate it, fell in the slush, you know. But that's not what this, you know, this is not what this verse is talking about. It, the works that he did, the works that Jesus was most known for, recognized for, is his compassion, his love, his sympathy, his forgiveness. I mean, these, the greatest miracles that he did was that he was able to move away from his own human nature. The fact that when they brought him a prostitute, that he didn't continue on with the traditions and customs of that time and stone her and condemn her and judge her, but he forgave her, that in itself is a miracle. There's only a supernatural reason for how that could occur. Because in the natural, it's to continue on with the vote of the popular, you know, uh, uh, the popular vote and continue on with, you know, giving in to whatever fleshly desire we have. But these works need to be evident in our lives for people to see the Father, for people to see Jesus. Next verse. Whatever you ask in my name, 
That's what I'm going to do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. And that's our whole purpose here on the earth, that the Father will be glorified through our actions, through opportunities where we have to, to, to swing at somebody, to, to throw a ball at somebody, to curse someone out. These opportunities are where the Father is glorified. Where there's the distinction between those people that know Jesus and those people that don't have him. In Matthew 7, 15 through 20, it says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are actually ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. For do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs and thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Verse 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. For verse 20, therefore, by their fruits, you're going to know them. By their very fruits, by their actions, the way they talk, the way they look, the way they present themselves, these are the indications of who Christ's people are, of who the real sons and daughters of Jesus Christ are. If we could go ahead, uh, do we have that PowerPoint, the, the images? I want to go ahead and do a very simple test, just a very simple test with uh, all of us here this morning. And I want to go ahead and put some pictures up on the screen. And can anybody go ahead and tell me what tree this is? Right? Obviously, right? Apple tree, right? We know that it's an apple tree because there's apples on the tree. Very easy, right? Very easy. This is in our kindergarten books. There was this uh, Mrs. Gamara's, you know, K-5 walls, right? We had our names on the apples. Everybody knows that's an apple tree because there's apples on the tree. Apple tree, right? Very creative name there. Uh, next slide. Can anyone know what this tree is? A mango tree, right? It's a mango tree, and you see those deliciousness just hanging, looming over the tree. And they, they're not just ready to eat just yet, but they're getting there. But you can tell it's a mango tree because there's mangoes all over the tree. You see it everywhere. It's very easy to spot what type of tree this is. There's mangoes everywhere. Mangoes all over that delicious tree. Next. This is very hard. It took me some time to guess what type of tree this was. Um, this is a... Uh, a banana tree, I believe, right? Can I get a confirmation on that? Is that a banana tree? Okay. Uh, Annabelle was helping us make sure to verify this because she lives, on, she lives uh, on a farm. And so she's like, yeah, Nick, that is an apple tree, definitely a mango tree, and that is assuredly a banana tree, right? So she was able to, to help us out there. She's an agricultural expert. And uh, so, yeah, a banana tree, right? There's bananas on the tree, right? Let's go ahead and let's go put up the next picture. All right? Can anyone tell me what type of tree this is? We don't know. We don't know what type of tree this is because there's no fruit hanging on the tree. We have no idea. There's no clue, no indicator. There's a pineapple tree, a watermelon tree, a grape tree, a strawberry tree. Right? All these different fruits, there's no fruit. There's nothing. Papayas, I mean, plums, peaches. We have no idea what type of tree this is. No idea. Because there's no fruit on the tree.
is it okay if I just step down and the preaching's over? Are you good with that? Because this spoke to me yesterday. I was like, man, God forbid. God forbid that this is what my life looks like. God forbid that when somebody reaches into my life expecting to be refreshed and encouraged to be, uh, find some type of new spiritual nutrition, that they'd be like those people from the, the Chapacana commercials trying to stick their hand and they'd be finding nothing. That, that they'd be sticking their hand into my life trying to figure out what type of tree I am, what type of fruit I'm bearing, and find nothing. It's obvious that if you're a fruit tree, you know that you're a fruit tree because there's going to be fruit on the tree. But we need to analyze ourselves and say, have I been producing fruit that testifies of who lives inside my heart? Matthew 7, 20 says you're going to know them by the fruit that they produce, not by their words. It's not by, I could tell you as much as I want. I could try to explain to you what type of tree, let's put that, let's leave that tree up there, please. I could, I could try to explain to you for hours and hours, and I could tell you about how amazing that tree is, how great the tree is, how it's so colorful, and how the fruit that it produces is so sweet and delicious, but as long as there's no fruit on that tree, as long as it looks like it does right there, there's no evidence to suggest that this is a fruitful tree. There's no evidence to prove. No matter how many, you know, how many times somebody can say what they think that they are. Show me your fruit. Show me anything, a papaya. A plum, show me a banana, an apple. I don't care the color. Where's the fruit? We were talking about uh, this earlier with that, with that commercial, where's the beef? The Wendy's, the old Wendy's commercial. You know, or, or, or even uh, the Gatorade commercial, is it in you? Right, this question that plagues athletes all over the world to want to look like those people in the commercials, these athletes that are sweating purple and blue and orange because of the Gatorade they have inside them, right? The passion for the game that leaks out in the spirit of competition when they're running up and down the court. It, it's, it's, is it in you? Is it coming out, right? Is that animal? Is that beast? Is that, that you see, uh, Serena Williams, she's like smacking the racket, and, and she's just pouring out green and orange and purple and all the Gatorades because it's in her, Right? So in the same, in the same, with the same mindset, is it in us? Is he in us? When, when we're running up and down that court, when we're riding around the bases, when we're sprinting towards the finish line, what are we sweating? What's coming out of our pores? What's coming out of our conversation? What's coming out of our attitudes? Show me your fruit. Show me your fruit. We know by our outward manifestations what our inward condition is. We can tell by the outward manifestations of our behavior what our heart's condition is. Who exactly has control of what's taking place in our hearts? I heard, bro, you know me. You know we're brothers. 
you know that we're friends, bro. Hey, bro, what's up? Come, what's going on? Right? We, we're in that locker room together back in 13, right? Remember? The state championship. I have people that I see from high school, you know, five years later, right? I graduated five years ago. Uh, and, and I'm like, brother, I haven't, since graduation, I haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you since May 2013. We, we have zero evidence, nothing to suggest that we're still dogs or boys or whatever it is that they like to, you know, we, there's nothing to suggest that we're, we have some type of relationship. The most minimal of relationships that we could have is that you follow me on Instagram and you probably don't do that, right? So uh, this past semester in law school, some people, they were not, they were not happy with the, with the results of, you know, their finals, of their exams, and they asked me, and they're like, Nick, bro, but you know, man, like, these, these grades do not reflect the type of student I am, bro. The, you know, the, this obviously is, is not the type of student that I am or, you know, the type of, the type of law student that I want to be. I'm like, brother, I mean, what does a D-plus taste to you? I don't know. It doesn't say, like, star student to me. You know, you say that you study hard, you're in the library and all this different stuff, but... I don't know what you're doing in the library because your, your, your final exam says, you know, that you have to take the class over. But, but there's, so me, there's so much muela. There's so much talking. There's so much, you know, puff, you know, puff chest of who we are, we think we are, what we can do, who we, what we think we can do, all these different things that ultimately there's no fruit to prove. I heard, uh, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. And my pornography addiction does not define who I am. You know, I'm a good person, but, but the behavior I manifest in the classroom is not a reflection of who I am. Really? Show me the fruit. Show me the fruit. There's, there's, uh, there was a, an individual who used to come to this church a while back that um, was an active member of, of a ministry in this church and um, had been part of that ministry for a long time. And one day they were talking with a friend of theirs from school along with another person, another member of our youth group here, and they were just going back and forth talking. And uh, that one person starts speaking to their friend right, about youth group, and says, oh my gosh, you got to come to youth group, this person is a part of our youth group, and they, they're such an active member in it, and they've invited you probably a couple times, right? Like, you go to youth group? Oh, yeah, um, yeah, um, on, on Saturday nights, I'm actually part of a youth group. Um, I've been going there for like 10 years. Yeah, th- this person's part of this part. This person's part of our youth group, and 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 they're actually like really heavily involved in like minute. You play an instrument? Uh, uh, yeah, I play I play an instrument. It's like, I, how 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 sketchy and shady that you'll be friends with somebody, and like ten years later you find out that every Thursday night they're part of a bowling tournament. Every Thursday night from, from 7 till 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night, they're bowling every single Thursday. You've been friends with them for years, and you just found out that they're an avid bowler. 
And like, I didn't know, I had no idea you did this. I mean, think about all the different things that go in your mind. You know, it, obvious, the first one that comes to mind is, what else do you do? <laughs> what, what else are you doing behind the scenes I have no idea, I have no clue about? Jesus has, if Jesus has made his residence in your heart, it's obvious. It's so obvious. It, it's a natural manifestation of who we are. It just comes out. It's not something like these, these trees, I promise you, you don't go by, you, you know, uh, uh, we have to talk to Mr. Patisco first. But uh, you could go to his backyard where he has all those, all those trees, and you're not going to hear, ah, ah, right, avocado. It doesn't work like that. Through the seasons, through, his, through their life, just naturally you're like, Avocado, 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 right? Just naturally, just coming out. There's no, there's no screaming back there. There's no sweating. There's no frustration. There's nothing going on back there. Those trees don't make noises. That'd be so weird. <laughs> it's natural for these, these, these trees to just give off fruit. And they just stand there, and they're just like, come and eat of me. Come and get your refreshing. Come and get your encouragement. And they're so happy. They're so pleasant. <laughs> Nobody has to chew them out. That'd be so, if I found out about that, I'd, I'd have serious questions for Mr. Patisco, right? He's going to his backyard and screaming at his trees, you need to produce fruit. If you don't, I'm going to chop you up. They're, they're a fruit tree. They're a fruit tree. They're going to give fruit. You don't have to harass them to give fruit. Why is, it, why is it that we expect Jesus or our pastors to harass us to show some type of fruit? If Jesus lives in our hearts, if, 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 if we're reading the word, if we're close to the streams of, 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 and, and the water's flowing through us, we shouldn't even have to try to produce fruit. It should be a natural wellspring in our hearts where there's evidence of Jesus Christ. He was here. He was here. He was here when, when, uh, on, on Christmas morning. My, my dad was running around the house screaming, he was here, he was here, right? There's evidence. He was here. There's gifts all over the place. Some, some parents, they take, you know, the whole Santa Claus thing to the, to the next level. They leave cookie crumbs. They spread out the ashes by the chimney. They leave footprints. They do all these different things. And that's evidence that Mr. St. Nick was there, right? That's terrible, but it, people do it. But it, they're not hiding in a closet. Jesus doesn't hide in closets, okay? It, it, it doesn't work like that. He doesn't just go back in the back room and, and just, you know, you bring them out whenever it's convenient and comfortable. His light is so bright that it can't be hidden. His light is so bright that you, you it, it, it's... Come on, people. It's, it's a natural thing that just comes out of us. I'm a good parent. And my child's behavior at school is not a reflection of my parenting. I'm not full of myself. I'm very humble. And the hundred pictures I post on Instagram of just myself are not a reflection 
of my pride are not a reflection of my self-insecurity and, and self-awareness. Show me your fruit. Show me the fruit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Nick, what type of fruit do you want to say? You want me to write a check for $10,000 and give it to the church to show my devotion? No! Your devotion shouldn't be to the church. It should be to Jesus Christ that leads you to wanting to be the church. You want, you want me to be like, you know, one of those avid radicals? No. I don't want you to try to be a radical. Jesus is already radically in love with you. And if he lives in your heart, I shouldn't have to ask. He wouldn't have to ask us to be radically in love. Can you imagine? Listen, um, listen, babe, I just, I've noticed that you're not really that radically in love with me. So I'm going to ask you to please, like, bump it up. <laughs> right? Bump up the love for me. That's pathetic. That's a terrible relationship. I'm not really like a marriage counselor right now, but I think you have problems if you have to do something like that, right? Is that, am I right? Yeah, these, these, the marriage counselors here say yes. Uh, it, that's so weird. That's so weird. Why, why should you have to ask your spouse or uh, you know, ask somebody to give you evidence of the love that you have for them? I want you to write down the sheet of paper all the reasons why I should believe that you love me. Hey, I don't know. Uh, uh, I think I bought you roses one time, and they didn't last that long because I forgot to water them, but uh, I got you chocolates this other time, but they weren't your favorite chocolates. That's pathetic. That's pathetic. But the fruit of the Spirit, the natural fruit that we as Christians should be giving off, that when Jesus lives in our hearts, the results are, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness. I feel bad for some of these greeters, man. I feel bad for some of the greeters here at our church because you, you would think that some people are upset that they had to wake up this morning and show up. Good morning. Excuse me, I'm sorry, but as he's taking, you have to sit over here. It's like, whoa, all right. Call the deliverance team because there's something going on here. There's some people I haven't seen smile. This is the smallest indicator of somebody's happiness. Dog smile. The fruit of the spirit is love. Joy. Joy is the fruit of the spirit. If you've lost your smile, ask Jesus to restore it. And he'll give you the biggest one you've ever had. I thank God for that, the fruit of peace that we get to experience every single day. When Jesus lives in your heart, you don't have to worry about who's going to take care of you, who's going to defend you, who's going to be there for you, because his residence is in your heart. Self-control, long-suffering, patience, kindness and goodness, faithfulness. Next verse. Gentleness, self-control against such, there is no law. This is what we're supposed to be giving off. This is supposed to be naturally occurring in our lives in every season. 
There's some trees that maybe they don't have any fruit whatsoever hanging off their branches. There's some fruit that are barren, right? Some trees that are just barren. But even then, there's some of us that need to make sure we're not the type of trees that give off so little fruit that it's hard to tell what type of fruit tree we are. I think, I don't know, Bobby, what do you think it is? I don't know. I mean, they kind of look yellow, but I see a little red in there. Yeah, but where? Because, you know, we all have different areas where we're just deficient in being able to produce fruit. Some of us are full of joy, but we lack uh, self-control and patience. You know, my, my, uh, my dad was, right before we, we left on uh, to winter break for a skiing trip, him and my uncle, they, they had booked some Yukon XL, some really big tr uh, truck cars to go up to North Carolina in the mountains, uh, to not have to get stuck, to have some 4 by 4 horsepower, you know, to go through all the, the mountain range and not get stuck in the snow or any of those different things. And when they go pick it up, they're just like, sorry, we booked it to someone else. You know, you have families, both of them, of, you know, collectively six people and six people, 12 people, all looking forward to a very expensive vacation in North Carolina where you're supposed to relax, have a good time, and now you're telling me you have to drive up in a Camry? This is ridiculous. This is absurd. I've been planning this trip for years. My poor son is in law school. He's partially blind now because of all the reading that they're giving him. And I just wanted to give him the simplest of vacations. You know, I, I think the family was more upset about not getting the car than they were. I'm sorry, but you, the, we could only give you a Camry. Okay, no problem. Uh, we'll see you guys later, and we'll see if maybe we, you know, plan out some other vacation with you guys. We'll, we'll find another car. Not a big deal. I bet you those people felt like they were in a dream. I feel bad for, uh, for Jonathan, right? Jonathan Delgado, Gary's brother. Man, that guy has it rough, okay? At the airport, these people, they lose their, that people, they lose their baggage. They, and, you know, obviously it's Jonathan's fault, right? Because, <laughs> right, not the airlines. Jonathan's fault for their baggage to go missing, right? Jonathan's been slapped by a pregnant woman. He's been spit on. He's been, you know, everything. Man, he, he exhibits that fruit of the spirit of self-control, let me tell you, okay? He, the, it, it, it's something that just comes out of us. And in him, you know, it's been refined. Praise the Lord, right? It's been refined. You want to work on your patience and self-control? Uh, I'm sure they could hook you up there in American Airlines. Um, but it's just a natural flow that comes out of us. A natural thing that, that just comes from, from, uh, from, our, from our hearts, from our lives, from Jesus being inside of us. In John chapter 15... It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can't do anything. We're all deficient in our capacity to bear fruit. We all are, are falling short. I read an amazing verse. It was a revelation from the Lord, Galatians 6, 3. It says, if anyone thinks he's something, he is nothing. And I said, amen. Short, sweet, simple, and direct, you know, knockout to the heart. Because we can build ourselves up getting so excited about the fruit that we're able to produce. But we never compare ourselves to how much fruit we ourselves are capable of producing. When you go to the gym, uh, you know, typically you look for who's working out around you. And you compare yourself. You're like, well, this guy looks like he weighs about the same much as I do. And uh, he's, he's lifting right now about like, you know, he's curling about 45 pounds. But I could do more than that. So you pick up your weights and you try to outdo him or, you know, you find somebody else and, and you're like, well, they can only do like 12 pull-ups, but I can do the widespread pull-ups 20 times. You know, we, we always try to outdo or out-compare those people that are next to us. But what this Bible verse says is that allow God to prune you so you compare yourself to yourself. You examine yourself and say, yeah, I'm producing maybe, you know, 12, 13 baskets full of fruit, but how little is that compared to where God wants to take me? You're taking 12 or 13 more baskets than the person that just got to church, but how much more baskets should you be producing at this point in your Christian walk? You're full of joy, you're full of self-control, but you're so deficient in kindness. You're so deficient in love. How can God prune us? How can God continue to work in us so that we can continue to grow? Where maybe we don't just have apple trees growing in our backyard. What about the bananas? What about all the other fruits? What about the limes? What about the lemons? What about all these other things that God wants to instill in us, that God is like trying to burst out from us, but that we continue to keep him in the closet? We continue to say, go back. It's not time to come out yet. It's not time to demonstrate. God doesn't live in houses like that. God doesn't make his residence in places like that. And this was, this was a two-by-four to my forehead when I was reading through this, and God was speaking to this, because you have, an op you have one opportunity. You have one opportunity to, to let Jesus reveal himself through you to other people. You have such a, little, a limited time here on the earth to really let God use you as his vessel, to really produce fruit that all that you're surrounded with will be encouraged and refreshed by. And, and how many times have I blown it? How many times was, was I barren through the winter season when this should be a year-long fruit-bearing tree? Because, yes, there's some of us that maybe... We, we, we don't bear fruit. Some of us bear fruit. Some of us bear too little fruit to tell what type of Christian we are. But then there's some of us that are just seasonal fruit bearers. Where depending on the season is whether or not we're producing fruit. 
Your joy is out the roof. When you get that job promotion, when, you know, your family's coming around, when, you know, it's finally looking like you're going to have some type of wholesome, great time. But as soon as everything just flips on the, its head and, and you have one, one screw, one wrench thrown in, everything is lost. Everything is gone. There's no fruit here. Come back, you know, next summer. Come back and see what, what, what we'll have in stock later on. You know, out of stock. No more bananas, no more platanos, no more aguacates, no nothing. In Jeremiah chapter 17, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 4. And it says, Through your own fault, you will lose the inheritance that I gave you, and I will enslave you to your enemies in a land that you don't know. For you've kindled my anger, and it will burn forever. But why? Like, why you got to be so mad? Why, why you got to be so upset? Why, why are you so serious? Verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man and who depends on his flesh for his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in a wasteland, and he will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where nobody lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. It doesn't have bad situations. It doesn't matter when bad circumstances or negative you know, opportunities make themselves present. It doesn't matter when the heat comes. It leaves, its leaves are always green, always producing fruit. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. You know, at this point, um, I was scanning the room yesterday with the youth group, and a lot of them, like, they felt really bad about themselves. And, um, I mean, that's how I felt when I was going through this, because the pastor always, the, you know, the preacher always gets beat so first, and then, you know, it trickles down to everyone else after, but... This is not the point of the message. The point of the message isn't what you, you know, what you need to start doing or you need to, you know, make sure you're, no. The, the focus is that we need to analyze ourselves and knock on the door of our own hearts and check and make sure that Jesus is there. And if he's not, that you would plant yourself in the streams and get reconnected so that your life would begin to bear fruit. So that your life, wherever it is that you're looking, it, you know, maybe you haven't really been producing fruit, much fruit at school. Maybe you haven't been producing that much fruit in your marriage. Maybe you haven't been producing that much fruit with your kids or with family members or at the workplace or wherever it is that you're going. Maybe the fruit hasn't really been evident, but that it would start when you connect yourself and plant yourself next to the stream. 
There's, there's no worry that the year of drought has come. There's no worry about the heat. Because it never ceases to yield fruit. Jesus Christ never stops shining his light. Jesus Christ never stops manifesting himself. So long as we give him our, our, our permission to do so. Even, even times like this that my dad is going through with his kidney stones. Jesus hasn't left, you know, his home. Jesus hasn't left our home. Jesus hasn't been absent. There hasn't been tantrums or, you know, outbursts of rage or, or anything like that. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is, his residence is there. Jesus wants to make his residence with us. Jesus wants to make his home with us. Jesus wants it so that our tree is as fruitful as any tree anybody could ever see. So we're the most beautiful tree that anybody's ever seen that other people could come and reach out towards and be refreshed. When I went to Connecticut, were you there with us, George? You might have. When we went to Apple Vineyard, or the Apple Orchid, rather? Yeah. Man, you know, there's apples at Publix, and I love Publix, you know? No disrespect to Michael or Ariel or any of these guys. You know, Publix is awesome, Okay. But we went to these apple orchids in Connecticut and, excuse me, orchards. And we reached out and we were able to like get the apples right off the trees. We were able to drink the cider right off the trees. We were able to, to you know, actually enjoy the natural progression of, you know, the plant's life as opposed to being, you know, all the process that they go to make it to our supermarkets. But it was unbelievable. I mean, the sweetest apple I, prom- I could ever have bitten into, the sweetest apple juice I've ever tasted, the greatest cider, it was unbelievable. It was so good. But that's, that's how it should be with our lives. Like, man, this person is the kindest, sweetest person I've ever rubbed shoulders with, you know, I've ever gotten together with, I've ever spoken to. I mean, this person is just they have this, this positive vibe about them, right? That's how people describe Christianity. People that are Christians, like, they're just very positive. I like their positivity. Yeah. Uh, they're a good influence, right? Uh, but that's, that's what our life should be. That's what Jesus wants. So that they would taste and see that God is good from the fruit that's hanging off your branches. I mean, what a blessing that, that the fruit that you produced was what brought a family to church. That your attitude and your language during a conversation was so pleasant and so encouraging that an automatic memory was just like burned into their brain that it could never be forgotten. And that it would bring them to come and get deposited the seeds necessary to then also bring forth fruit. I'm finishing up, so if we could go ahead and stand to our feet. If you go to Matthew 7, verse 7.
It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Jesus is knocking on people's hearts. Jesus is trying to make his residence in us. He's not, he's not forcing himself in like an FBI agent and knocking down the door and breaking the bolts and, you know, asserting himself. He's saying, man, I, I want to give you an opportunity to really taste what real peace is like. I, I want to give you an opportunity to really, truly give an expression of real joy that is not seasonal. I want to give you the patience to have to deal with the uncertainties of life, of, of the uncomfortable situations that we're put in every single day. In Revelations 3.20 it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens their door, I will come into them and dine with him and he with me. And that's what Jesus wants to do with each and every one of us. That's what he wants to do with each and every one of us. Is, is, is make us full of mangoes, make us full of bananas, full of fruit that would testify of his goodness in our lives. That all the times we've been watered, all the times we've been given fertilizer, all the times we've been fed, would finally produce an evidence of his existence in our hearts. That's what Jesus wants from us. The question is, will we open the door? Will we allow him to make his residence in our hearts? That he would use us. Father God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Jesus, because you've given us an opportunity to do life together with you. Who are we, oh God? We're nothing. Who are we, oh God, that, that continue to, to give forth bad fruit, that we continue? We, we don't deserve any of this, and yet you still knock at the door and wait for us to open. Father God, this morning, we open our hearts to you, oh God. This morning, we ask that you come into our hearts. This morning, we ask that you deposit the seed in our hearts to give forth the fruits of the Spirit. Father God, that we not stay down in the dumps, beating ourselves over the fact that we're not producing fruits of happiness or fruits of patience or anything like that, oh God, but that we rise up, we call out to you and ask for you to make that change in our hearts. When people see us, that they would see you. When people talk to us, when they hear us, that they'd see you. That no matter where we are, Nick wouldn't be seen. Wherever we are, it wouldn't be us that'd be seen, it'd be you. We pray for all these things and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 As they say, greet each other in the love of the Lord and say hello to those that are coming in for the second service. Welcome to stay. And I hope that each and every one of us will be able to continue on praying for my dad that we'll hear a good report within the coming second service. God bless you.